You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. Well, I wanted to, uh, we actually started last Sunday night with Pastor Rick. Uh, we had a regional our unity service, and so, but we're starting now, the next four weeks, we're calling, um, it's actually five weeks of miracles, but the month of miracles, and uh, I wanted to bounce off of that and talk about it, so today I want to be talking to you this morning, in the second service, receive your miracle. How many of you need a miracle? Raise your hand, no, physical, spiritual, financial, for somebody else or yourself, let me see your hands. Wave at me. I want everybody to look around. Look at this. Woo, you are in the right place. I want you to know you're in the right place. This is a house of miracles. And tonight, I want you to come back, bring somebody that needs a miracle also, which is you and somebody else. And uh, we're going to have evangelist Roy De La Garza. And we have seen how he's come and give people prophetic words People have gotten healed from cancer, all kinds of stuff. And so it's going to be an exciting time. I chose as a text, and I've used this in different ways in the past. But this time, I just I want to highlight miracles. And so if you'd open up your Bibles, your Bibles this morning to John chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And I want to welcome also of you, also all of you watching online. And not only those here in the sanctuary... And throughout this month of miracles that we're having, invite somebody. Every service brings somebody so they can receive their miracle. They can get blessed. Somebody that you know who needs to hear the gospel, give their life to Jesus. Somebody that needs a physical healing, a financial something. Bring them out and watch God perform miracles. How many know God's still doing miracles? Can I get a witness in the house? Don't make me start singing a song. Amen. I chose this uh, particular miracle in the Gospel of John because this is the only one, as a lot of you know, that is mentioned in all four of the Gospels, the synoptic Matthew, Mark, Luke, but also in the Gospel of John. The only other miracle that is mentioned in all four is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Other than that, this is the only miracle. And there's different, let me lay a foundation before we start reading. There's many different types of miracles. Most of the miracles, uh, I think uh, I mentioned in the first service, I, I, off of memory, it's either 35 or 33 miracles that are recorded in the Bible, in the New Testament. Now, we know that it says that there's many more that were not recorded, so we know there's more. But those are the ones that the Holy Spirit chose to inspire the writers to record. And when you look at those miracles that, that are there, most of the miracles, I want you to think about this, follow me in the train of thought, most of, and then it'll make sense why I chose this one. Most of the miracles that are in the New Testament, they meet a specific need of an individual. The man with the withered hand, Jairus' daughter. Um, there's another one where he healed the lepers and one came back, it was 10, but, but most of them Almost all the other miracles, the blind Bartimaeus, it was an individual need of, it was, it was a, 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 some type of sickness or disease or something 
that related to an individual. But this miracle that is the only one that is recorded in all four Gospels has nothing to do with an individual. This miracle was to the multitudes. It was the feeding of the 5,000, which actually, when you count the women and children, probably some scholars, most commentaries and scholars say 15, 20, 25,000 people. We know where it took place was on the eastern part of the Sea of Tiberias, that's the only part in that region that, where there's hills and where there's grass. So we know from his description where it was. And it could actually hold that many people. But I want you to think with me as we start reading this. And I'm just going to do the introduction because we're going to talk about miracles and talk about this in the next couple of weeks. Why would the Holy Spirit choose to, to give us this miracle in all four? When he could have he mentioned the withered hand or or Jairus' daughter, or the centurion whose servant got healed, where, that's the, where Jesus said, wow, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And he was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. That seems like that would have been a perfect miracle to put in all four Gospels, if you ask me. <laughs> but I'm not God. And this is a good point to say amen. amen. But I'm not God. Amen. All the leaders should have said amen right away. Those that know me the best should have immediately said, boy, that's the truth. Say amen. amen. My wife was shouting out, boy, that's the truth. Amen. But God chose to put a miracle of meeting needs of multitudes, which is a picture, a typology that God cares about his people. God cares about individuals, but God also cares about the masses, which is a picture of the church. When we gather together corporately, God cares about what's taking place in our church. God cares about our mentality about the church and about meeting needs and loving people and encouraging people and helping people. God cares about every one of us. Woo! Somebody say, he's talking about me. Let's read. John chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Now what that's referring to is chapter 5 and all the miracles that he was already doing. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside. And he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Pas Passover feast was near. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. You know what I love about this? No matter what you're going through, God already has the solution. See, you might not see it. You might be in a place in your life where you don't know how God is going to do it. 
You don't know how God's going to provide. You don't know how God's going to open the door. You don't know how God's going to bring that. You, don't, you, you try to figure it out in your mind. Sometimes we in our human mentality, we try to figure out how God is going to work. You ever done that? Have you ever had a need or a problem, and all of a sudden you start praying, say, God, I know you're going to do it. And then in your natural mind, you start thinking how God's going to do it. Can I get a witness in the house? Every one of us in our humanity, but God already has your solution. God already has your whole problem. God has your miracle lined up. He's waiting for your faith to rise up to that place. Then it'll reach out and open that door for God to provide a miracle. God to bring the healing. God to touch your life. So he turns to Philip. Commentators say, and we know... Philip was from Bethsaida, which is close by, around six miles away from there. So some of them say the reason why he asked Philip is because Philip knew geographically the area. But also another interesting point about Philip, we know Judas was the, the treasure. The Bible says he held the money bag. Hello. But Philip was the administrator. He was the organizer of the bunch. He was the manager. And so maybe Jesus was trying to stretch because sometimes some people, he was trying to use Philip who always thought, especially if he was an administrator, he was trying to use him to be an example to the rest of the disciples of how to use faith to get your miracle. Because he tells Philip, hey, Philip, He saw the big crowd, and he says, he turned to Philip, he said, hey, Philip, where can we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, because he already knew what he was going to do. And then verse 7 says, and we'll come back to this in a minute, Philip answered, come on, Lord, it would take a half a year's wages just to buy bread so everybody could have one bite. Imagine. Another of his disciple, disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fishes. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down about 5,000 men, not counting women and children, so 15,000, 20,000 people or more. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had, now watch this. This is very important. We're going to come back to some of these points. And when they had all had enough to eat, when they had all had enough to eat. Now, I know this crowd can relate with that. Now, I said this, this crowd can relate with that. You know that every time when you eat, you say, man, why did I eat so much? Or you say to yourself, man, next time I ain't eating that much, but you've been saying that for like 30 years? Huh? He said to his disciples, gather. We're going to come back to this. Gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12. Everybody say 12. We're going to come back to that next week. I'm going to hit on the number of 12 in, in numerology because it's very important. 
They filled up 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over in the fish after everybody had eaten their fill. Now, like I said, this is recorded in Matthew. Now, it's interesting because when you look at this miracle, John brings out some stuff that is different than Matthew does. It's found in Matthew 14, 13 through 21. It's found in Mark chapter 6, 32 through 49. It's found in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. And then here in John, the first verses 1 through 13. But what's heavy is Matthew brings out a certain, th- a certain point about it. Mark brings out a certain point about this miracle. Luke brings out something. And then what John does is John takes it all. And he, he, he brings what Matthew, Mark, and Luke brought out. And he puts it together. And he draws a whole picture why God chose to use this. Of all the miracles he could have chose, why he used this one in all four. And it's a perfect picture about caring for other people and caring about the needs of people and how God loves us. How many know God loves us? Now, what's interesting in Mark's gospel, it tells us that they were in a faraway place, in a remote place, in a desert place. And it got late. See, he had already been ministering to the crowd. They didn't just show up. From John's gospel, it looks like they just got there. And right away, he told Philip, hey, look at all these people coming. What do you want to do about it? Let's feed them. But Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel bring out how he had been there and he had been teaching them for a long time. Then he realized it was getting late. And he said, man, we got, that's when he told Philip, Philip, we got to do something. We got to meet some needs here. These people are hungry. There's, we got to help the masses. We got to care about other people. Hello. We got to care about other people. Where, where are we going to find that much food? Huh? Where, where are we going to find food for that many people? What's interesting is that the other gospel, watch this. The other gospel, Philip said this. Philip said, Lord, send them away. Send them away, Lord. And then Andrew comes and says, hey, Lord, there's this guy, there's this little kid over here, and he's got... Uh, uh, five little small barley loaves and two fish, probably enough for his mom and his brother, his sister, his family. But that's not going to help us. In other words, what he was saying, I agree with Philip. Man, we're not responsible for these people. Send them away. Let them go buy their own food. But Jesus understood that he wanted to meet the need. He wanted to give them a divine miracle because Jesus cares about our lives. There's nothing you will ever go through. I want you to hear me now, Woodier. There's nothing you will ever go through that God doesn't care, that he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't have a solution. Sometimes, man, we say, God, why so long? When are you going to do something? God knows the right time. Maybe he's trying to get you to go through that problem long enough so when he gives you the answer, you'll have some gratitude. Because sometimes when we get something that doesn't cost us anything, we don't value it as if it cost us something. Like a kid. A kid will go out and work hard, save his money, and buy himself a car or something. I guarantee you he'll keep that car clean. Huh? 
it depends how long it took him and how much he had to sacrifice to get it. And you could take another one and just say, here, here, just take this. Don't worry about it. Oh, by the way, here's money, gas for the whole year. Oh, by the way, here, in case you take a couple of girls out. He's going to come right back. In a, in a month after the newness wears off, there'll be dents in there, it'll be dirty, and they'll come back and ask for more money. Sometimes God allows things to hit our lives. And, the, and we pray, we say, God, I have faith, I know you can do it. I know you could change the circumstance. And sometimes we can even get frustrated with God, why he isn't doing nothing. I, we've been dreaming, I've been through that in different areas. Man, God, you know, like, what, what is it that I lack faith? Is it, what, what is it? But it, sometimes it's just like the Holy Spirit will just whisper, just keep believing. It's not in your timing. See, the reason why this miracle was in all four Gospels is because this miracle is meeting the needs of people. They were hungry. And what he was trying to teach the apostles, how are you going to be the head of the church one day and not care about people? See, they had to learn the most important lesson that everything about Christianity is not just about you, about your needs, your family. It's about other people. Send them away. Send them away. It's not our responsibility. It's not our problem. If they're hungry, so what? So what? That's their problem. That's his problem. Really? Really? What God's going to do is allow something to hit your life to get your attention so you can care about his people. Do you hear the voice behind the voice? See, that's what God's trying to raise up an army here. That's why the church is growing. We've come to the place now. If you look around. We have to do something, or we're not going to keep growing. I'm going to try to be nice. I know I've been trying for 36 years, and it doesn't work. When I first started preaching, the bleachers were halfway full. Now if you turn around and look, the bleachers are completely full. And all of you that just came while I started preaching and just sat there late, I love you guys, but I think we should just tie you up and whip you. <laughs> just kidding. I want you to see all the pastors up here. They're going to buy you a watch or a clock. I know. You got to love me, though. There's four things I want to mention about human nature that Jesus was trying to bring out about this miracle. Because I want to just start off with talking about miracles. But what would be the point, church, listen. What would be the point for us to, to do month of miracles? And we, we neglect the most important miracle, and that's a, the salvation of other people. Because that's the greatest miracle. 
I still remember being in a motel room and putting a gun to my head. So depressed, so discouraged, so messed up. I remember trying to find, think of somebody to call when I was arrested for something I was innocent of. And everybody's making phone calls, and I was like, man, dude, I'm in line with all the homies, and I'm like, I got nobody to call. Nobody's going to take my collect phone call. And through the journey and the process, I've learned to care more about other people than myself, and I'm still on that journey, and that's where we got to go. See, listen, listen, I want you to hear me now. What's impossible with your situation is nothing to God. But these things, I want you to hear this. Philip and the disciples were telling Jesus, send them away. Send them away. It's easier to neglect and not go the extra mile for other people. Number two, we can always say, well, that's not my ministry. That's not my concern. That's not my problem. Why should I go out of my way? And the last one was, by what they said, hey, even if we went to work for a whole half a year, dude, it's not going to, Jesus, are you kidding me? It's not even enough to give them a bite to eat. So why should I invest, or why should we, because Judas had a money bag, they had a treasure. Jesus wasn't, don't kid yourself, he wasn't like some broke beggar. He was the son of God. And I'm sure Jesus, the Bible talks about Judas holding the money bag because he wanted to dip into it. And the Bible says he did it periodically. How can you dip into something that you ain't got nothing? So we know. So Jesus wanted to hit these areas of mankind, of, of humanity, of the disciples, and also speak to us today too. And that's why sometimes when we're doing projects and we're reaching out and we're doing things and people say, maybe not verbally, but inside they say, why should I sacrifice? Why should I give to that? Why should I care? So we're full. And you want to start talking about stretching out and getting a bigger church or going to another server, or why should we improve this or why should we improve that? Is this not God's house? Now, if you're here and you're not saved, you have a right to think like that because you're full of yourself. But if we are Christians, But if we are Christians, what does Christians mean? We'll say, we are Buddhist. We are Hindu. We are mixed up and confused. Well, that's, that applies to some of us. But we say, we are Christians. I am a child of God. I've been washed in the blood. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I've experienced deliverance from the chains and shackles of my habits. I'm not who I used to be. I know. If you say that, then you are a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you
I love you. And that's why people miss out on God's best for their lives. Because God will not bless you if you only care about yourself. Listen, hear the voice behind the voice. I preach messages like this because I'm trying to provoke this congregation to greatness. Because we're going to have to take, make a giant step of faith pretty soon. The winds of, the winds of change are blowing. Some people say, but I don't want to change. I don't want to be different. What was God trying to do? What was Jesus doing? Listen, Jesus was not only trying to stretch and grow their faith. He was trying to change their mentality. Most of us come, most of us come from a scarcity mentality. Most of us come from a self-centered. I've never known a drug addict that gives his last drugs away. <laughs> when Pastor Sonny was a heroin addict in New York City, and he was sick, and he went and scored, I'm sure he didn't say to one of his, one of his, his homeboys, one of his friends, oh, yeah, I'm sick, but here, go ahead and take my last fix. Are you kidding me? Hey, I'll go for you. Wait right here. I'll be back. <laughs> it's in the book. He never came back. And yet you'll never meet a more loving and caring person, a more generous person. Because he learned, and they learned, and some of us have learned, and we're still learning. What Jesus was trying to, and, and listen to what I'm going to say, what he was trying to teach Philip and the other disciples. He was trying to change their mentality. Change the mentality about, number one, his kingdom. So that you can be kingdom-minded. See, when you're kingdom-minded, you care if you see somebody hurting. You can't drive past somebody at a bus stop crying. You can't just see somebody at a gas station asking for money and not tell them that we have homes. or not tell them that we can help them. You can't do that. When, you're, when you have a mentality shift and you have a kingdom mentality, you know the kingdom of God is that you've experienced grace and mercy. You've experienced God's loving kindness. He's took you from nothing and he's blessed you. He's given you everything you have. And therefore, your mentality has changed. You want to help other people. There's no way you cannot be like that unless there's something sick inside of you. Man, that's good preaching. I wish I was sitting right there. <laughs> Not only about his kingdom, change the mentality about people, his people. If the message translation was back then, or the good news, or the living, Philip was said, Jesus, we don't care about these filthy animals. We only care about ourselves. In, in essence, that's what he was saying. Send them away, Lord. He wants to change our hearts. Why? His disciples in the future would have to take care of his church. 
And Jesus knew he couldn't leave his church to a bunch of men that only cared about themselves. We would not be a worldwide ministry if Pastor Sonny didn't care about other people, him and Sister Julie. To lay down their lives to care about other countries. Why should he care about, about South Africa? Why should he care about that? Why should he care about the nations of the world? But if he had the mentality, we would still be in East LA. But God enlarged his heart to care more about See, what God had to just take a person who understood what it was like to have nothing. To be on a rooftop strung out in, the, in, the, in New York City, to bring him to the other side of the country to care about other people. See, that's what God's doing with our church, with us. Listen to the voice behind the voice. Listen to my heart. There's an explosion that's going to take place and is already taking place in Weir. You have to hire Steve Wonder and Ray Charles to help you not sit. Do you feel what we feel? Do you feel it? God is bringing, God is not only saving and touching new people, but he's bringing the right people. Look at what he wants to do. We got to care about people is what I'm trying to say. That's, you, know, you, you know why he put this miracle in all four? Instead of the centurion's servant, when the centurion said, man, Lord, you don't have to go. I'm not worthy for you to come up to my house. Just say the word. And Jesus was astonished. A Roman soldier, a Gentile, he said, I have not found faith in even my own nation, in such faith in the nation of Israel. But he didn't choose that one because that was an individual. He chose this. Listen to me with your heart. He chose this miracle, the only one put in all four, because it deals with meeting people's needs. Caring for people. And if we stay a church that does that, that you understand every one of you is loved, important. And I pray that every single person in this church would show you love and expression of, of love and concern. Then we can keep on growing this church and fulfill God's call. We can keep on raising up people and planning churches and, and helping Victory Outreach International. We can't do it unless we're generous people. And if you're part of this church and you're not a United Week member, I'm not just saying this because they're here. I've said this before. Shame on you. Shame on you. Because there's people. Because listen, if not, you're just like Philip and just like Andrew. Life because you're stuck on self. Some people miss out because they chase other things, the gratification of the flesh, and they're still living a selfish, self-centered life. You'll never experience the miracles that other, other people will. You'll always watch other people be more blessed than you. And he told the 12, you, you 12, go gather. And that means they had to take that basket 
And think about 20-some thousand people. How much work that was, how much time. Take that, but he went, they gathered it, and they had to gather all the leftovers, and then they brought it all the way back to Jesus because Jesus wanted them to think about it while they were doing that. That speaks, that speaks of you and I going through life and God allowing things to happen to provoke us and challenge us to be more like Jesus. They might have even been thinking while they were doing it, man, what am I doing? Why am I, I'm, I'm an apostle. I sit next to Jesus. I'm over here being a, no, God only knows what they were thinking. But he was dealing with the mentality, just like God does in our lives. So the call is going out. Do you hear the voice behind the voice this morning? Come join the army. Come join the army. Let's care about other people. Let's love people. Let's build a church that we can have soldiers, men and women, to go when, pastor, when they need missionaries or when they need finances or whatever may come up in the future that will say, I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm part of something bigger. See, if you're here at Victor Outreach, Woody, you're part of something bigger. We have a mandate. We have a calling. We have a, we have a divine calling from God to help people. We care about the inner cities of the world. There's hurting people all around. Every surrounding city here, we're called to win every surrounding city. We're, we're called to put life groups, and we're called victories in every surrounding city. We're not just, our vision isn't just Woodier. If you think that, man, I'm going to do an altar call and smack you in the head. <laughs> There's a call going out. Let's be like Jesus. Let's have the right heart. Let's have the right heart. Let's have the right heart for other people. That's what this whole miracle is about. Prepare your heart because this next month of miracles, you're going to get your miracle. You're going to be testifying. Let's all stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I was in an alley witnessing to a bunch of gang members in 1984. I was running the home. Might have been 83. I think it was 83. I was a men's home director. And I, I knew where the guys used to hang out. And I went over there to witness and to share. And there was about 20 of these youngsters, 20, 25, 30 of them back in this alley. And they were getting high and drinking. And uh, I started trying to preach and share the, share the gospel. And some of them didn't want to hear it. Some of them didn't want to hear it. One guy, he had a gun. He pulled out a gun. He didn't point at me, but he pulled it out. And he had to say, oh, we don't want to hear this stuff. Get out of here. And one of the other guys said, shh. Let him say what he wants to say. And I prayed, 
and I, I proclaimed and shared my testimony and, and I prayed for them and I, and I started to walk away and the Holy Spirit spoke to me right before we got in the van I had a couple guys from the home with me and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you're not done go back my first thought was nah they didn't, most of them weren't even open man they're all high they're not paying attention and the Holy Spirit said turn around don't finish going go back so I went back over there and I said listen I run a, I run a home like I was sharing with you guys and you, I shared my testimony with you guys there's some of you I want you to know you can get in the van right now and go with us you're, if you're tired you want to change nobody responded and I just stood there and I started praying and I said Lord I know you spoke to me to go back and when I stopped praying, one of the guys said, I need a change, man. I'm going to go with you. The one that told the, the guy, the other guy to be quiet. He was like one of their shot callers, one of their, their guys. Three guys ended up going with me that night, got in the van, and went, took them to the home. Watch this, though. Hold on. Two of them left the home. Within a month, I heard, because one of them stayed. I'll get to the point right now. The two that came... They left, one left, and the guy that was his homeboy, he heard from the sister, he heard uh, from the brother or whatever it was, he, he um, died of an overdose in his dad's restroom. And the other one, about three months later, four months later, he was there hanging out with the guys and somebody did a drive-by and he got shot in the head and died. This one guy that came, to, that came and stayed, he's a pastor now. We sent him out, Pastor Leonard. Now, I'm not saying that. Listen, I'm not saying that for the applause of man. I'm not saying that like I'm all this sensitive person because I miss the mark sometimes. But I've tried to live my life where I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me about somebody. At a gas station or a bus or anywhere in the market, somewhere I try to say, man, God, I don't want no blood on my hands. I can at least get this right. I, I'm not eloquent, I don't have a lot of gifts, but one thing I've tried to keep my heart, where my heart is pure about people, caring for people. And somehow God has honored that. And I want our church to keep that. I want all the pastors and the leaders in this congregation to understand this is the value of who we are. Even if it ain't somebody of that extreme, it could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor, a family member. Bring them to this month of miracles. Bring somebody to church. Watch God touch their lives. Let's care about other people. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why God put that miracle in there. Not an individual miracle, but a miracle for the multitudes. He's trying to teach us to have that kind of heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That's the calling of this ministry, Victor Outreach. That's why it was raised up. That's the calling of this church. If some of you are here as we sing a song and you feel and you've heard the voice behind the voice and you want your life to count or you're feeling a tug from the Holy Spirit in some area, I want you to get out of your seat. Come, come quickly. You come and you talk to God. You say, God, I want my life to count.